You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. And this is incredible. Uh, the Giants win uh, their first, first postseason game since the 2011 Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, I haven't heard this talked about much, but I guess we can cur- kiss the uh, curse of the boat picture goodbye. Um, I I guess so (laughs) that fake bugaboo that like I don't think is a real thing I think we can retire that that's not a thing that we can talk about anymore Uh, and man this was a this was a great feeling you know this wasn't just like a a nail biter win did you get that feeling at all or did you feel fairly comfortable this whole game I was nail biting I was nervous (laughs) I really was Uh, not that Oh my God, we're going to lose this thing. But I never felt that it was like this thing was in the bag at all. I was, uh, I get into my playoff cocoon of, you know, being in a fetal position, which is pretty interesting when we're in front of 200 people. And we'll talk about our experience watching the game. But uh, no, I was nervous. I was very nervous. And, um, you know, it's the excitement level for me is on a couple of levels. It's, you know, obviously this year and now we're going on to Philly. We've validated a season that, uh, you know, none of us believed would ever happen. And it wasn't a one and done fluky thing that we kind of snuck in. We earned our way in and we want to validate that we are here. Um, But it also tells me that, you know, the fundamental things of this program, you know, there's stuff to build on that this could be sustained. Um, I am not saying this is a Super Bowl, you know, team just yet (laughs) i think that's getting a little ahead of our skis but uh you know i don't expect next year all of a sudden this team to be back to be a four-win team i think you're seeing the emergence of the of the the foundation you're seeing the daniel jones taking that step you're seeing how important say quan barkley is when he's healthy you are seeing how this coaching staff squeezes water out of rocks and this you know this front office who with limited funds this year, was able to plug in guys that worked. So I have parallel things going on in my brain right now. You know, the immediate, like we're playing Philly again and, you know, let's see what happens. But also this is a, you know, my outlook for even the future is just makes me really, really excited. The Giants win 31-24 over the Vikings in their rematch. We watched this game at uh, Mr. Purple in New York. It was hosted by John Boy Media and Talking Giants. Bobby and Justin put this thing together. It's kind of like a rooftop bar, indoor-outdoor situation with like multiple TVs, projectors, things going on. They were live streaming the game. Um, there were all kinds of like – there was like cornhole and shit and oh. – uh, First of all, yeah, just a complete shout out to those guys because they really did this thing right. You know, it was uh, it, it felt like you were sitting in the middle of Section 124. I mean, the yes. fans that were there, these weren't, you know, people who went who were just like, ah, I'm just walking around. Let's check it out. We had the crazies there. You know, all of our friends that we hang out with, all the ones from, you know, the L16 tailgate were all there. You know, Justin and Bobby were we were running around during commercials, high fiving everybody, throwing out you know, you, you name it, stuff. And stickers and fun stuff, and um, it was good because you know you can hear like the comments, you can hear Justin screaming and cursing at non holding calls and, and and everything, and it was just, <laughs> it was just really you know, if you couldn't go to the game and it couldn't be at the Meadowlands, this was absolutely a fantastic thing and. I don't know what their plans are for the next game if they're doing it again, but I would highly recommend. Oh yeah, uh, a listening to their show, which we think is fantastic, and we love those guys. But B, I, I would get a ticket for that because it really um, we made some new friends, we hung out with old friends, and it really added to the whole atmosphere and the whole playoff vibe that we've been waiting for for so long. Yeah, it's, it was a really cool way, it, and it really the way they had it where they were kind of live streaming out onto the internet and and you know 
also on a loudspeaker there for, yeah. you know, 250 other people really kind of brings home that we're hanging out and watching the game together kind of feel. It was it was a lot of fun and it felt like we were part of something. It's also why I have no voice today. Um, so I'm doing my best uh, to go through this. But, man, this was an outstanding game. And, and you know, I'm always going to be uh, anxious a little bit, some butterflies in my veins uh, during a game, but, you know, especially during a playoff game. But, you know, like you were saying where you were nail-biting, this to me, the way they played right out of the gate and the way they continued to play the whole game, this was not like, oh, my God, we have the lead. I don't know how this happened, but we've got to hold on to it. It was like, oh, I know how this happened. They are shredding them to pieces. Yeah. This was a game in fucking control. And I, I want to I talk about this game, you know, very generally, just, you know, how we felt about it, all the things – because this is this is more than X's and O's and stats for me. Oh, yeah. uh, this is this is playoff level, and this is uh, you know you pull the Statue of Liberty play out. You know what I mean? This is you need to win every down, every game going forward. Now this is this is winner take all. So totally. it's 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 got a lot of emotion tied to it. But I we can't talk about this game and not start with Daniel Jones. Um, give me your thoughts. I just everything I see with this guy over the last, you know, six weeks, it's just where were we talking about him a year ago? You know, Daniel Jones was as never as bad as, you know, the general reception was even from day one. You know, a lot of people just and media members thought it was a silly pick, thought he was too highly picked. You know, their first impression is the turnover machine he was early in his career and those are, you know, lingering memories you have and people that were going to die on their hill that they shouldn't have drafted him, never liked him and never gave him a chance. But if you broke down, you know, you saw a young quarterback that obviously needed to play and develop and master an offense and become and master a team and become a leader. And we saw that finally this year, you know, again, another offensive coordinator, another scheme, you know, three receivers right now he's throwing to that, you know, really weren't in any plan, weren't either on this roster or had any plan to be a part of this roster when, when training camp broke. So, you know, adjusting on the fly to those things and just being, having that cool, calm demeanor, that Eli-esque demeanor that he has, uh, that nothing, you know, you know, he's not flappable for, for the moment or a situation or a pass rush or, negativity or anything and it just showed today it just showed like a quarterback that just knows his offense knows what he wants to do and he executed i mean but all that stuff's all fine and great you have to execute and he did he was fantastic i think what we're seeing with daniel jones now um by the way 24 of 35 for over 300 yards two touchdowns 17 runs for nearly 80 yards i would say he played this game just about Perfect. Um, I I would say if I had fallen into a coma for like the last five years and came about and only saw this game from Daniel Jones, I would have said he was a seasoned veteran. That's just the way he played. It's the way it looked. If you you didn't know anything prior, if you don't know any narratives, he looked like a seasoned veteran. And I think what we're seeing, honestly, might be the first time Daniel Jones has felt comfortable and in command of an offense of NFL quality. I mean, I, I think that at some point at Duke, maybe he felt comfortable in what he was running and you could see him throwing bombs. You could have a whole highlight reel of Daniel Jones throws that were dropped at Duke, um, him getting just pounded into the fucking dirt. And I think his entire tenure with the Giants, I think he never quite got situated or comfortable in a scheme that had pieces around it that worked. This was a front office and a coach that asked what he was already the most comfortable with at the be- on the outset. And then they went ahead and they got pieces and they molded the rest of an offense, it seems like, around the skill set he has, what he's comfortable running, and what they could afford. And they have kind of played a little bit of money ball. Yeah. I mean, sure. when you think about it, they, they have... 
benched the $72 million wide receiver for the most part. They've traded away the 2021 first-round draft pick. And they didn't give a shit about nothing. They went straight money ball. Um, and I, I think really a well, lot of it also is— did, And they also didn't— uh... Take his fifth year option. That's part of Moneyball too, if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, but also they kind of had to, they had to make him bet on himself a little bit, and it was a good. I think it was a good test of character for Daniel Jones. He bet on himself and uh, won that bet as whoever. Well, said I don't. That I mean, he didn't decline the option. We declined the option. So I don't know if, if him betting on himself. But he, he, well, whatever. He yeah. he put himself out there. He put his nose to the. I don't know. Whatever. But one thing I will say about that really quickly is, in hindsight. If I'm the Giants, I still would have done the same thing that they did. I mean, people are going to go back and say, now, which is complete 150%, you know, revisionist history about, well, they should have signed him. They should have locked him up. They they should have known. I don't but, think anyone's going to say that, though. Yeah. No. Well, these, you know, imbeciles on Twitter and stuff. But no, I think the Giants, they did the right thing at the time. And, you know, they have to pay a little more now. So be it. That's a problem you wish you have. They're- it's it's sort of irrelevant. You have a new GM coming and you have a new everything. You're not taking bets on anything that you don't know anything about. You're not never met this kid. You haven't really been in the building with him. It, it, you're immediately faced with a decision with a deadline on him. You yeah. decline it. I mean, it's just you have to decline and, it. And, that's and the true. evidence just, before them was not compelling enough to say, oh, it's a no-brainer. You keep him. You had- yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, and if he knocks your socks off by week five, you can just get a head start on renegotiation deals. I mean, it's really right. not that serious. Right. The, the fifth year option thing, it's not even like a discount. Like, isn't it like, it's like a super high amount. So it like puts them in the price range of, you know, like veterans or whatever. It might be a slight mm-hmm. discount, but it's not going to be like they get another like rookie year of like $4 million instead of like 25. So I think- it's. And I definitely think me and you were, you know, not that we're Daniel Jones fans or, you know, number one supporters of him, but we also were some of the more forgiving of the past and we're more willing to have an open, uh, you know, open eyes and, and open heart watching him this year and evaluating before we were like ready to dismiss him. Well, sure. I mean, I'm not. This has nothing to do with you or me. And, like, you know, I, I saw a lot of people walking back previous position. You don't have to walk back anything. If you added, you, if you made that decision based on what you saw, you did the best you could. And you were maybe right, maybe wrong. Who gives a shit? But I've said I thought he was the most talented quarterback in this division for a long time. And I know we maybe thought that I was crazy about Dak Prescott, but I still don't think that about Dak Prescott. I still think he's better, more talented. He just isn't hasn't had the pieces around him, hasn't been comfortable, but he has had his hiccups, his problems. And, you know, I mentioned them ad nauseum, like his pocket movement, pocket awareness. He needs that internal clock to be kept up. Those were the things he needed to get better at to be a, you know, more obvious, a better quarterback. The general public would recognize him as a better quarterback. And he improved on all three of those things this year. There's mm-hmm. probably the most tangible things that he's improved upon is his ability to move and, and manipulate the pocket and have that internal awareness, you know, and it's also been part of the reason he was turnover prone in the past. So we've seen those turnovers go down, whatever, but mm-hmm. forgetting all of that shit, Daniel Jones in the, you know, general in this game, he was lightning. I mean, he looked like a surgeon in his groove, like just like he could do it with his eyes closed in this game, like nothing for a long time in this game, the like most of the first half, the worst play that the Giants had was like a four-yard pass completion. That was the worst play they ran yeah. for, like, for several, several minutes. I had like four or five possessions. That was like the worst play that they ran. That's insane. Um, he, he just – he had this operation just running very, very smoothly throughout the entire game. In fact, this offense had – a grand total of nine possessions. Two of those possessions happened at the end of halves, so they ended in kneel downs. Um, two of those possessions were punts. The other five were all scores. That's the most efficient we have seen this offense in the Daniel Jones era. Yeah, probably. 
I, I mean, the Giants, frankly, they made Ed Donatel's defense their bitch in this game. They were consistently in third and manageable or not even in third down. They gave a variety of different looks. They spread the ball around. They read their the defensive looks like a book, and they they had the right stuff drawn up. Uh, and, and DJ knew where to go if nothing was open. He would just let run. Ask, let me ask you something. Of these weekend football games, and we're recording this after the, uh, the Dallas game is over. Right. Who looked more washed this weekend? Tom Brady or Patrick Peterson? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it's a real laundromat between those two because Patrick Peterson looked awful. Well, he got undressed. I yeah. mean, quite yeah. frankly, he had a holding call almost in the end zone towards the end of the game. He got beat on two touchdowns. He got caught looking on the Bellinger one, uh, and he just he just simply got beat on a post route from Isaiah Hodgins. Um he we also felt, got stiff-armed by Daniel Jones. Yeah. I mean, we felt after the first game on Christmas Eve that the Giants could have and probably should have won this game. After today, it was like, we're the better team. And I know what their record was, and we also know what the you know, the advanced stats saying, you know, that their their record is not indicative of what kind of team they are. But I definitely walked out of that after that game thinking, we're better than them. And if we played them ten times, we probably beat them seven or eight. And, See, that's uh, interesting because after the first game, you said the exact phrase, if we played them 10 times, we probably win five. Right. Well, just you play them again, you get more data and you get more evidence. And <laughs> so, you know, um, we're better. And, uh, you know, having guys back definitely helped. I think there was more oh, confidence yeah. in the defense as well, just from the fact that Adoree Jackson was back, back that Xavier McKinney was back. Um Football is all about confidence, you know. And if you don't believe me, look at what Dallas's kicker did tonight. He couldn't hit a – he missed four extra points. It's confidence. And with this team is, you know, at the right time is getting confidence, you know, the 46 guys in the roster, the coaching staff, everything. And you could just see that, that they came into this game not nervous. It was a lot of these guys' first playoff game. Not nervous against playing in a loud environment. Not nervous, you know, playing against a team that's a two-seed they came in there to beat some ass, and they did. <laughs> they, they showed up without bubblegum. No. Um, you know, we uh, you, you mentioned very briefly there the, um, that Daniel Jones is throwing to three main receivers right now that either were not on the roster or were not thought to be a main component of the roster uh, at the outset of the season. And over the last couple of weeks, <clears throat> we have talked about Isaiah Hodgins, and I think it's time – I'm deciding for me. I mean, you could do whatever, but I'm deciding for me that it's time I recognize that Isaiah Hodgins might actually be pretty good. Um, uh, you know, people had floated out the idea on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about like, oh, do you re-sign him for next year? And I was like, come on, just just replace him. Like, you know, don't don't fawn over the bridge guys or whatever. I think Isaiah Hodgins might not be a bridge guy anymore. I mean, he's already really young. And I saw the comparison earlier this morning to uh, – and I, I meant to look up who said this too because I wanted to give them credit. But I saw that Dan Schneier quoted it. So check out Dan Schneier's Twitter, whatever. He, he gave proper credit. But that Isaiah Hodgins has a little bit of a Monty Tumor to his game. Um, always diving headfirst. He's got excellent, excellent hands. Really, really good body control, especially around the sideline. All hallmarks of Amani Toomer's game in the past. Uh, you know, very good feel for soft spots in the zone. In this game, he went 8 of 9 for 105 yards and a touchdown. He was on a post route. He had a huge grab in the red zone in the second quarter. He had some big blocks on some runs as well. That toe tap that I mentioned in the second half was outstanding. I mean, yeah. that that is not just a replacement level play right there and at this point with the amount of data that we've received on him in live bullets i would say that that is a consistent part of isaiah hodgins game um i i i think you know giving out stars daniel jones isaiah hodgins definitely deserves a star he was he was uncoverable in this game they they, they had no answer for him let's do the math i mean next year i mean who were the only wide receivers pretty much assured of being on the roster next year, Wendell Robinson, and I don't know. Do you, 
does Sterling Shepard have a, a spot on this roster next year? A, a sure one? Hang on one second. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hodgins is already re-signed through next year. Uh, Colin Johnson probably gets a shot. He was getting a bunch of reps. That's kind of it, though. Darius Slayton's not signed through next year. Um, Wondell Robinson is. Richie James is not yet. Neither mm-hmm. is Sterling Shepard. Uh, th- that's my point. It's like they're going to have to replace pretty much that whole room. So to say that should he get a shot, I guess now we know he'll be signed next year anyway, but let's say he was a free agent this year. I'd say absolutely. I mean, yeah. let's assume they're going to draft a wide receiver either you know, day one or day two, and they get uh, another one, a free agent. You know, he's still a – they're still a very – important role for him on this team you know even if he's wide receiver three or even four i mean would you like to have isaiah hodkins as your number four receiver on this team i would for sure sure yeah i I mean at this point like i said like with the amani tumor comparison um i don't think that that's super far off based on what i saw i mean i have to continue seeing it but i mean joke all we want about Patrick Peterson being washed and he may very well be he's still in super talented corner and to have such a dominant performance on him two times um, in addition to all the other things we've seen from Isaiah Hodgins it's not to be ignored or downplayed Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind him as the three next year I mean I don't want to get too much into this because I want to talk about this game whatever but it's important to note like like you said Colin Johnson, Isaiah Hodgins, Wondell Robinson, those are the guys signed through next year. Wondell Robinson's coming off a midseason ACL. I have no idea, and we should not count on him being ready just because he may not be, and you have to be ready for that scenario. Colin Johnson is coming off of a preseason ACL. I mean, holy shit, man. So none of this matters. (laughs) And Colin Johnson, you know, is not exactly going to keep me excited at night either. No, um, but I mean the fact that he's resigned, he'll get a chance to compete. He might. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He might, um, especially in this offense. You know, whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to say my piece on Isaiah Hodgins. You know, everybody's walking back their Daniel Jones opinion. It's time for me to speak out on Isaiah Hodgins. Deserves a star, yeah, um, and some respect on his name as well. Sure, absolutely. Um, I mentioned Darius Slayton. Uh, had a really, really great first half. Uh, super pivotal on a lot of things. Had a huge chunk play early on that set us up on the second drive of the game. The second drive of the game set us up for a score really quick. I think it was some crazy shit like a four-play drive because he had like a 50-yard catch. Um, but, man, a killer of the drop that would have essentially ended the game on like third and 15 too, and he had it. And just a clear, clear drop um there there are certain people in this world who i just don't trust and you know evan ingram was one of those guys if you're a nick fan julius randall is one of those guys and darius slayton for all his ability and all the good things he does i just cannot trust him in a big spot and when he dropped that pass i really that was the first time i was you know i said it was a nail biter for me. I but that was the first time I was like, "Oh shit, that's the last thing we needed right now." And um, I think that's just what he is. I mean, you know, he's just a guy that's you know will make can make big plays. Looks like he's got talent, but goddamn, you have to make a play at the right. To, and I'm not asking you to make you know an amazing spectacular catch or you know, but something like that is kind of inexcusable and. I don't know. I just just can't trust the guy. Sorry. Yeah, it, it's not – I would not consider it fart-worthy, but I would call it a dishonorable mention. And like I said, he had a huge first half. I mean, it's not like, mm-hmm. not to be shy. At. I don't know what it is. All these guys with like the improper catch motion with the hands, you know, like this basket catch thing when you're going across the middle. Like is one of the first things I learned in like young, young football, peewee football, is like how to shape your hands you to know, make I, a catch. And I just – I don't understand. Like is that – I don't want to bring I, up his name, but I will. Um, when Kadarius Tony first started at UF, that's the way he caught everything like that, inside hands like this. And he was taught and he learned that's not what you do. And but most that's receivers, what like that's I, what they do because they're nervous and they just they they want to make sure that they're they they cradle it with their bodies and they 
you know, they get more confidence or they just get trained. That's not how you catch. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things we see with, um, what's his name? Uh, with Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay. Well, still so, catches so, like that. But, but so like, I just don't understand. So it's like, they, I trust this coaching staff. Like, why can't this be coached out of these guys? Like, I just don't get it. Um, I can kind of understand like Darius Slayton at Auburn where it's just like if everything is going to be like a go route for him or something where he can just kind of run ahead of it, turn around and like put his his stomach to it and kind of just like crit like backboard it into his hands, then you can just run a whole offense like that and there's no need to coach it out of him. But it's just I don't. I don't get it at the NFL level, and he's been here a while, and he's been under Joe Judge, who uh, I, you know was a good teacher, or always prided himself on teaching. Um, I just don't get why he can't just be in front of a jugs machine, like he can't just iron that out of him. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just part of that same mental thing where he has drops, where he just you know he resorts to his re- his instincts as opposed to you know I guess so. how he's trained. I don't know. Same, uh, the similar thing here. I'm going to give a dishonorable mention to Daniel Bellinger. I think he had a good game. Uh, he also had a touchdown. So, you know, what am I? But the illegal shift play on mm-hmm. uh, DJ's touchdown where he just simply, it's kind of really just like a false start, but because we had somebody in motion yeah. and he was moving laterally, that's just right. how it's called, whatever. Um, that ultimately became a field goal. We did not punch it in on that drive. That could have also become the difference, just the same as Darius Slayton's sure. drop. You know, and one more thing about Darius Slayton's drop. You said you were like nail biting, whatever, and you you really felt like that was an oh shit moment. The only reason I didn't is because they still had a whole touchdown lead. It was just like, what are they going to do? Tie it? Okay, maybe. Yeah, that's that would have scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is to go into overtime. Last thing. I, I, no, the last thing I want to do is lose in regulation. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm saying is that in we my weren't mind, facing losing. In my mind, in a, a pressure situation like that, for me, going to overtime, we're going to lose. Yeah, we're not putting we're not putting logic into the mind of the cranky fan with three minutes left in a playoff game. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, let's flip to why I was not all that worried. The defensive side. Now, they did not come. This was interesting. This was an interesting game from the defense. I I could say it was like disappointing, whatever. But um, they held the Vikings to 24 points. So it really was not that bad. I think it was because it was a little shot for shot and because we didn't see a big pass rush that people thought the defense played poorly. I didn't think that they really did, but they did blitz at a season low level. It was something like 20%. They sent five rushers or more, which really, giants have been the highest rate in the NFL. And it was like North of 50%. Uh, I don't really pay attention to those metrics. Um, every time people reference them, they kind of are like, well, it's also not super accurate because bring five guys, you know, whatever. Um, but they played an emphasis on coverage in this game. They wanted to eliminate Justin Jefferson in this game. They played lots of dime, lots of seven DB formation. They played a lot more zone than usual. They bracketed the shit out of Justin Jefferson and they shut his ass down. He was noisy on the first drive, but ended this game on only nine targets, seven catches for less than 50 yards. Um, and one more small note on Justin Jefferson. If it's not for Adoree Jackson playing this game and his speed, Justin Jefferson scores a touchdown on that opening drive. Instead, he's down at like the inch line and Kirk Cousin goes in. But just saying, just Adoree cannot, his, his presence in this game cannot be uh, overstated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think Wink Martindale felt that the front four could take advantage of a hurt O-line and to a certain extent, they did. They just didn't get any holding calls. Um, <laughs> and also, Kirk Cousins was getting the ball out in like 2.5 seconds. So it's not like the pass rush wasn't getting there. It's just when they weren't sending blitzers, there wasn't a free rusher getting their hands up or whatever. It just appears a little differently. They, Kirk Cousins was firing the ball out. They were kind of making some noise. Uh, so I didn't feel... When you were watching the Vikings and they were moving the ball down the field, it didn't feel surgical to me. It felt like little 
things almost working one, two yards, tackle for a loss or something, and then like a 11-yard catch, just enough to get a first down. The yeah. Giants, I think for like two drives, faced one third down and scored touchdowns on both of them. It was like they just moved down the field. Everything that the Vikings lined up, they had the answer for. It did not feel I, – I was the most comfortable I've ever been watching the Giants in like the last – I guess since the Colts game, but before that – going way back to 2016 maybe even they even then that offense sucked uh i haven't felt this comfortable watching a giants offense in a super super long time uh they really they really had every answer out there so the defense the way they played in this game it was pretty good and fabian moreau you'd think he didn't even play in this game his number like was never called they didn't even bother throwing in his direction this whole game mm-hmm mm-hmm I mean, Hawkinson, he kind of went off. And, you know, if Justin Jefferson was we, – we were afraid we did not want Justin Jefferson just breaking loose and having a quick score, like a 60-yard, you know, catching a slant or something and taking off and being gone. And we prevented that. That, that was important. We, we made them earn their touchdowns and, and earn their scores. And I think that was very, very important. Um, you know, Cousins was, Cousins was good. I mean, he's – He's just a, one of those quarterbacks that's just very frustrating, especially if he was your quarterback, where, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, he's sort of like just losers lose. It's not, you know, he was 31 to 39, 273. Numbers were comparable to Daniel Jones, but, you know, Daniel Jones, if you watched and didn't know what the stats were, you would say just had a much better game than, than Cousins. He felt more, you know, he felt less bothered by the defense where I think Kirk Cousins was more bothered. You say that look make a good comparison? Uh, I would say a hundred percent. Kirk Cousins um did not play poorly. I would not if he were my mm. quarterback in this game, I wouldn't have given him a fart. I would have said it's not his fault. The the Giants just put him in a position where they weren't going to give the yak guy any room for yak. So Justin Jefferson was limited to the catch point on just about all seven of his catches. And that's kind of why they'd rather leave TJ Hawkinson if they got to pick one or the other. Um, well, I mean, it's not not that they didn't want to uh, get Hawkinson under control. I think at, at halftime, Nick Filato pointed out that they made a big switch from uh, Landon Collins on the field to Jason Pinnock and then later Dane Belton. I'm sorry, maybe that was Dan Duggan, but whatever. Um you know, they made some switches to get Hawkinson under control, but if they were going to pick their poison, they definitely shut down. That was the number one thing they were going to do is all other stats be damned. Justin Jefferson is not getting in the end zone on us. And, you know, the other guy that they pretty much shut down, when really that wasn't much of a factor, was Dalvin Cook. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this team, you know, we complained, you know, middle of the year. I think I complained more than you did about the rushing defense. Um it's slowly but steady getting better, it feels like. It doesn't feel like it's getting gassed like it was before. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say so. I mm-hmm. think also... Dalvin play- Cook is he's one of the... I would say one of the five most talented running backs we'll face all year, just as far as talent. And he was really not much of a factor. No, he wasn't. And you know what they played? Part of the way, when they sat back in these zones that they don't usually play or or just, you know, they kind of had everything in front of them, they really shut down that screen game. I mean, you know, just whatever. We can Maybe that's due to the fact that on the play that set up a 61-yard field goal, there was a screen pass that went for whatever on a blitz. But, I mean, Darnay Holmes looks so good coming downhill. I mean, he really does attack shit. Mm-hmm. Uh and make some good quality tackles right at the line of scrimmage and at the and at the uh, you know the point of contact. Um, they've shut that shit down, and Dalvin Cook was no different um, in the screen game. They had that shit read early on. I think he had a little bit of success, but I think that was really just kind of getting settled and that first drive mm-hmm. scriptiness right. that kind of comes with stuff. Um, I feel like we could talk about him every game, but Dexter Lawrence was the guy that showed up probably the most in terms of the four-man front. Uh, Six tackles, two of them solo, a tackle for loss, four QB hits, um, and had a huge QB hit on the final drive of the game that got flagged for roughing the passer. 
And uh, I figured maybe you want to talk about how that was absolute horseshit. <laughs> well, it, what did they call it? Was because he hit the hand to the face, right? Hand to the helmet. I don't the- know that they ever actually gave the full explanation. I've watched the broadcast multiple times. Mike Pereira doesn't say. Uh, whether it is or isn't, but he covers both bases in that the hit to the face mask was really just a glancing blow off of his forearm. Very incidental contact, not a forcible blow like it was, you know, whatever. And then the tackle itself was, you know, Kirk Cousins has the ball in his hands when he's being spun around. So, look, I think it was Bill Simmons a couple of weeks ago on his podcast made a really good point that I think the NFL really should consider with these judgment calls. It's like, in soccer, if you foul somebody, you get a yellow card, or if they think it's egregious and it is intent, you go straight to red, and you know that means you're out of the game, and that's that. And I, I just feel like something like that where, yes, there was contact with the hand going to the helmet, that's not the same as an, an egregious late hit on a guy. And it's the same penalty, and it's ridiculous. I mean, I know there used to be the five-yard versus 15-yard penalty on, you know, on some certain Face things. masks, I think. Yeah, and they got rid of it. I mean, to me, we have to if – if, if it's a rule or something where officials are using judgment to say, did they do it or not do it, judgment should also apply to the severity of it, including intent. Because that is – we complain all the time. Like me and you on this show with our friends on TV, everybody complains about it. That how are these guys on defense supposed to play when, you know, they are being regulated to death protecting these quarterbacks and protecting anybody? And, you know, last couple of weeks we've seen some guys get, you know, have very serious injuries and I feel like, you know, they're going to keep doing that more and more to protect players. And it's going to, it just makes it so hard to play. And it's a real, real problem. I I mean, I just have a simpler solution. Just use your fucking judgment and stop protecting them. They're football players and just use your judgment. If it looks like it was a late hit, then just say it was late. And that's your judgment call. And you're just being honest. Stop protecting them. A hit to the head. Are you kidding me? Everyone gets hit in the head on every fucking play. Every play, everyone gets hit in the head. Any Now, forcible contact to the head, like just like an arm, whatever, in the midst of a tackle is a penalty just because the guy plays a, a certain position. You know, every time a running back hits a ball, somebody's arm is hitting him in the head. It's yeah. the silliest fucking right. thing. Now, just, if you're going to blatantly just, try to do something, yeah, of course, but just... If an arm is swinging around, because when you're tackling somebody, your body goes in all different directions. You're also, I mean, we're, we're talking about defensive tackles that just fought through sometimes a double team of two 300-pound guys. They're stumbling and bumbling while they have their split-second opportunity to make a big play that is fully legal and a major portion of the game. Or risk a 15-yard penalty in the process by accident. Just 15. simply... But but simply by by happenstance, by the way the quarterback reacts, by you know slipping in the mud, by any of these simple things, and you can tell with your naked eye when something was done to hurt a player or not. This idea that we had to go away from a, a rule that generated no problems until Tom Brady tore an ACL on a hit that didn't really look dirty, but if it was mm-hmm. called, no one would have had a problem with it. And I think there's nothing wrong with. A flag like that where it's just like it's 50 50 half the people think it is a penalty half the people don't fans of neither team it could go either way it was called it wasn't called we all get on we all get over it right you know what i mean it, i don't know why we need to have this level of severity and all these like contact to the head too high too low it's just they think they can regulate it out so it doesn't happen anymore it's but that's never not the way the gonna happen played. it's not the way never the gonna played. happen mm-hmm. um Kayvon Thibodeau had another game where he was being bear hugged for a really long time. I wonder how that feels. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's you know, I don't know if it's a thing because he's a rookie, he's not going to get calls that he should, or maybe now he's become more of a, of a star and maybe he'll start getting those calls. But 
This is ridiculous. I mean, I'll say this for the officiating crew last night is they didn't make a lot of calls in general. There was not a whole lot of pass interference. Uh, I think there was mm-hmm. there was one illegal contact and there was one holding penalty. That's it for like defensive, you know, all that stuff. I think there was maybe two holding calls the whole game on offensive linemen. This was a fair. I mean, they they really let them play. I think mm-hmm. so. I think that's fair enough. You know what I mean? I can't can't complain if you're holding onto the flags for most of the game. Just let them play. And and for the thousandth time, I don't even know why I have to say this. Can everybody stop with, you know, oh the the the, the refs are biased. I mean, come on. Do you really think the NFL wants Minnesota to advance over the Giants? Come on, stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, so stupid. Especially when the the. Like the New York Cinderella story that's blossomed over the last like four weeks is like such a hot story right now. Hey, Giants Cowboys was the highest rated game on Thanksgiving in how many years? If those two met in the playoffs, or they're playing Philly, or they're playing San Francisco, or they're playing Buffalo. All, all of those are huge marketable games. Everything that's left. Right. Minnesota, I mean, I, I Minnesota people are very nice. They're sweet people. Minnesota nice is a thing, but Nobody cares. There's no, there's no marketable real star on Minnesota where people are like, oh, I gotta watch Dalvin Cook or just, just Justin Jefferson. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I know if I ask my mom who's Justin Jefferson, she doesn't know who it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess does she know uh, any of our wide receivers? <laughs> well, you know, you could ask a lot of people walking around New York City if they knew. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Right, but they're also not considered stars and marketable people. No, I know. I, I yeah. It's also just the New York brand is marketable. New York sure. Dallas is marketable. New York Philly is marketable. New yeah. York San Francisco is a harken back to like '80s shit. You can always sure. market that. You know, I I agree with you. This is going to be a monster, monster, monster week for ratings for the NFL. I I would not be surprised if you know cumulative over the the four games this weekend it's the highest rated divisions round of um you know tv ratings in history could be even without tom brady um so that sets up this weekend we uh we get to go to philly for saturday night the 8 15 game 8 30 something like that uh, Dallas gets the honor of moving on to play San Francisco and Brock Purdy. Um, and that's the NFC side. That's it. That's all that's left. Uh, wow. And the Giants are one of those four elite NFC teams left surviving. Can you believe that shit? <laughs> Unfucking believable. Uh, really? You know, it's just, there is like that after the game was over. You know, and there's video out there of all of us. There's a great video, by the way. Somebody, I, I apologize for not giving the credit, but they specifically called me and you out. Like at the moment, I gave you a bear hug right at the end of the game. It's uh, I don't, fantastic. I don't know who took the video, but Behan's the one who uh, saw it. Danny yeah, Behan. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It was just a feeling. We walked out of there just, uh, you know, I don't want to think about Philly right now. I don't want to think about next year right now. I'm just happy that. You know, not even feeling like, well, we're back. It's just we're here. And we've seen how this league is where at this time last year, Cincinnati fans were thinking the exact same thing. We had four wins. We were a piece of garbage. We were in the Super Bowl. And we might be that team this year. I mean, based on what you've seen from this team for the last month and how they handled a good team, let's not let's not all of a sudden give Minnesota, the complete dumper. I mean, they are a solid team. They're a playoff team. They won a lot of games this year. And the way we we competed with them, you know, I, I don't expect to see a repeat of Tampa Bay, uh, Dallas next week in Philadelphia for sure. Or even a repeat of what happened when we played them in the Meadowlands uh, a couple, you know, two months ago, whenever that was. I am... I am... I am less ready for that game. I am still feeling. Uh, yeah, I, I think. I think by the time this episode comes out, I will. I will have shifted to like war version of me, where mm-hmm. I'm. I'm ready to kill. 
uh, I am still riding high on uh, Same. on yesterday. I mean, and I we should just, be. I'm just. It's I'm very fans. gloaty today. Um, I just, you know, this is great because I remember when the the giant run in 2011, um, going to Nick Games, and they always have you know people in Celebrity Row, like Chris Rock is always there, and John McEnroe, blah blah blah. So what happens is like when you start advancing in the playoffs, you know, all of a sudden you hear. That Fox music, you know, like, oh, there must be a giant here. And they show some highlight of somebody, whether it was, you know, Justin Tuck or Eli Manning. Well, it started today, you know, a couple of giants. I mean, again, probably three of the five lowest guys on the roster. But now all of a sudden they're getting to be the toast of the town again. And that's all it takes. And for being as irrelevant as irrelevant can be, we all can celebrate this. And it's okay to feel that way. None of us have any impact on what's going to happen on Saturday night. So I don't want to hear, don't, don't have anybody bring you down by saying, Hey, you know, don't cut your chickens or, you know, don't forget about next week. It doesn't matter. You, you are allowed to enjoy this. If you're listening to this show, it's not like all of a sudden 20 million people started listening to it. The chances are you've been with us through this season. You've been with us in the off season when we were trying to figure out what the hell we're doing with this team. So this is our time right now to, to be excited and be happy and gloat and be giddy and all that stuff. And uh, as we get ready for to Philly and we'll talk about it on the next show, like what are we going to do to, how do we win this? Just have that little extra, you know, hop in your step because damn it. Like you said, we're one of the four elite teams left in a very, you know, a very good conference. You know, it's it's fantastic. I'm just, I'm with you in 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 is you know one of the co-mayors of Giddydom right now. Yeah, own this week. This is the only. I mean, this may be, this may be the last Giants victory for a long time. I, like, I mean, you know, whatever. I just, you know, doing this show. We've done this now since 2017. Every single time, every single year, we get to this point, and you and I. I I'm going to be flat honest. I don't really feel like doing the show. I mean, I want to talk to a cranky fan. I want to talk football with him and might mm-hmm. as well hit record while we do it. But like right now we'd be talking about these games in like, as if just strictly as observers, like they're, we wouldn't they're, be talking about it. We'd be like, okay. And then and we would, the league, yeah, we'd be going to Tampa Bay. Exactly. And, and then we'd have to force out, you know, like, these giant stories about who got fired, who we're looking at, you know, and then mm-hmm. and then let that bleed into months of draft stuff and months of offseason shit after that. And it's just a whole lot of not actually talking about football that is relevant to the Giants, directly relevant to right the fuck now. Giants you know the- football. We don't get to talk. So this is it, man. You know, they just want a playoff game. You get this week to live that. And by Saturday night, it might not exist anymore. So enjoy it. Go. I'm going to be wearing Giants bullshit every single day of this week. I want every asshole in this town to be like, there's that guy again. He's always got fucking Giants stuff on. That's what I'm going to do that. That's what's going to happen. Because this is the greatest fucking feeling that, you know, it's awesome. We are here. This is it. And and, and nothing to enjoy because there's never any guarantees in this league. I mean, ask the Rams. We just said a year ago, you know, Cincinnati was like, oh, my God, we're here. Well, a year ago, the Rams just won the Super Bowl, and now they are <laughs> they're garbage again. Um, the best thing I heard last night at the Watts party is Bobby Skinner came up to us and said, we may have to cancel going to the Senior Bowl because it's conference championship week. Can you imagine that, Grump? It is the silliest thing. Um, <laughs> this was our big rebuild year. You and I were really excited about like progress. Um, mm-hmm. It is a fever dream to expect, or you know, if future me was just like, you're going to be heavily involved in the divisional round of the playoffs this year. I'd be like, well, what happened? Did a nuke go off and wipe out half of the NFC? And you know, we're not just involved in the divisional playoffs. We are. Probably story one, if not one, two of like, you know, takeaways from the weekend. Oh, yeah. 
you know, I, I, I mean, well, well, let me ask you this. We'll, we'll end with this before we, you know, go into the actual Philly specific episode Friday morning. But I want your take in order. Which team do you think people are most afraid of in the NFC right now? San Francisco. And then? It might be us slightly ahead of Philly right now. That's what I'm saying. I I, I honestly think the way they carved apart Minnesota was more impressive than what Dallas did to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is a worse team. Oof. Um, so, I, I mean, I know it's not exactly that simple, and Kirk Cousins is not Tom Brady, and they have different issues and whatever. Um but they, I, they really carved Minnesota up like a cake, and I think they've been on fire the last couple of weeks, and I think they got healthy. And I don't think a single team in the NFC is looking forward to playing the New York Giants. I honestly think that. I, I also think I want to give a star to, you know, while we're talking about this, to Brian Dable, because we had a very healthy debate about do we rest starters in the last week of the, of the year in a meaningless game for risking uh, momentum? over risking injury and did you notice any sense of loss of momentum in that game yesterday hell no but you know what nope. i think i think we didn't maybe factor in the fact that minnesota was so recent that maybe they you know that fire was but i mean ultimately i i think at this point i think after everything i've seen this year I can just trust Brian Dable at this point. I mean, they've made some blunders along the way, have not been perfect, but when they make a decision, I will trust to see it all the way through to, you know, at this point, the look worst, at a body of work. That's all. You I look mean, at the whole body of work. There's a couple things here and there, but other than the Adoree Jackson one, I, I can forgive all of them. So, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, Next episode is going to be Friday morning for that Saturday night matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. You can find this show on all the regular spots, iTunes, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, etc. Um, so we will see you all Friday morning. Until and also, that- oh, good. If, if you want to, uh, if you want to reach us on uh, on Twitter, especially, I mean, my God, my phone was a nonstop for 24 hours of buzzing between you know tweets and texts and you know listening to long lost relatives and old girlfriends and whatever um at the cranky fan at football underscore grump at just giants pod you know let's uh tell us what you think about you know what you felt about this past weekend what's coming up this week we definitely want to know um we will also talk next episode where we'll be watching the game and maybe we can all watch together somewhere. So Yeah, we're gonna De- try and figure something out. Details of details to come. Yeah. Alright, everyone. Stay tuned. Go giants. Go giants.